Tipu, it is an honor to have the possibility to talk with you. Thank you very much for accepting my invitation and to be here. You're the first game developer I talked to, but I want to talk to more people about from the gaming community. And I think that it is amazing that today we have this opportunity to, to even get in touch. Because I remember in the early days of Warcraft in the 2000s that I saw the map developers with a bit of mysticism, like these unreachable people. So the fact that we are so close and we can go and talk to you directly and give you feedback, it's a wonderful opportunity, I would say. Yeah, I'm really uh, happy you invited me. And uh, that's kind of funny you say, you're say saying like uh, that kind of distance, right, you had with map devs and uh, just people that make maps. But when I was younger, I also had the same feeling, right? And today I'm able to do stuff. Uh, although I, I'm not saying uh, I'm the best map developer, obviously not. But, you know, with time, you learn some skills and you're able to just pull up some uh, some fun stuff, right? Yeah, That's even the fact like, oh. also that, for instance, we can see the streamers play or the pros, if we can talk about pros, because Warcraft is not competitive anymore. But uh, I remember that I would kill for the opportunity to see Groovy comment the game, because it was so rare. and. At the time, you didn't know anything. We didn't know what the game was. We didn't have any theory. But then you listen to the pros talk. And you're like, whoa, this makes a lot of sense. So I think that proximity with these people, the, the streamers also, is another wonderful opportunity and another example of how communications bring us together. Yes, and um, I think something special with the gaming community is... Uh, I still feel like pros or streamers or, you know, like personalities are still like reachable people, right? They're not just like uh, presidents or uh, Hollywood actors, right? They, they, they're, they're still just like you and me, it's, but they, they still got like that uh, skill step or uh, knowledge step above us that made them where they are today. But, you know, I think they, they seem to be really nice people, especially grubby, uh, you know, he, he played a lot of Warcraft. Uh, and when I actually came back to Warcraft, um, like a few years ago, uh, it's I was watching Grubby and just seeing like, wow, Warcraft is still, you know, it's still being played. Somebody is still streaming it. You mean more recently in these last few years? Yeah. Uh, well, maybe like four or five years ago. Um, because, you know, like with Starcraft 2, I kind of... Uh, let Warcraft 3 behind, right? You know, because Starcraft 2 was the like the new thing and then League of Legends. So, you know, even though I played Warcraft 3 when I was younger, uh, so, like you have to change or update to the new stuff coming out, right? But at one point I was like, damn, you know, I'm bored of League of Legends, kind of a toxic environment. I, I can't find really other things to play. And <laughs> uh, just yeah, looking yeah. at Twitch... I saw someone, and I think, uh, yes, probably was Grubby. And uh, I saw him playing, and I was like, damn, Warcraft 3 is still still good. Uh, I'm just going to give him uh, another try. And then that's where it all started back again. Right. That was before you grabbed Pyro? Yes, yes. Uh, I was able, you know, to, to, to play with Pyro just a few years ago. But before that, I, I was slowly getting back in... Uh, you know, just playing uh, custom maps, a uh, bit of melee, and then, you know, just trying again with the 
the world editor, basically. But uh, yeah, Pyro came uh, a, a few years after. So when did the, the custom game, because this is what it is about, it is a custom game within Warcraft. When did it reach your hands? Because as I understand, uh, you're not the original developer, right? No, uh, the original developer is Rave. Like he came up with the idea uh, and he did, uh, I mean, pretty good job. Did this Pyro is uh, it's really different from anything else, really. It combines uh, a few stuff together, like towers and kind of like what we call Odo Battlers. Mm -hmm. But that was kind of before, like, you know, Legion TD, right? Yeah, it's a pretty it was innovative a concept because normally TDs are, you have the lane, you kill the units, but in Pyro, a concept is turned upside down, which is you have the units that are very weak and then with your towers, you buff them and they fight in the middle. And that is a yes. very interesting twist. Yes, and uh, I mean, I fell in love with the game and uh, uh, by, you know, for the love of the game, for the love of like uh, making a, more of like a, a pro scene or what doesn't really exist, but, you know, just people that mm -hmm. would like to play together and just try to get better and better. Um, I was able, you know, to get the map through Rave. Um, and I mean, he's a super guy to, to uh, lend me the map like that. How did it happen? And you just ask him for the map? How does it well, work? Actually, what, what, how it happened is uh, there was a guy, uh, that actually did his own leaderboard right so this guy called Mor Moltern um, and uh he did his uh, own like leaderboard on the internet like it was a web page and he keep track of all the scores of people which was really awesome like a super good idea and so what happened is we just started to like you know compete individually like for that position right you know it's kind of a leaderboard or a rank system And um, we kind of came up with a few people. Um, and one of my uh, friends uh, drew Warcraft 3. Uh, he was in touch with Rave. Mm -hmm. So he asked him, actually. Like, I, I didn't really have to ask Rave himself. But, you know, through, through like, uh, a common friend, I was able to just get the map and, uh, you know, fix some bug, uh, change some things. And from there, we just kind of keep going and pushing to, to see like what people or the community likes, basically what they want to be changed. And so at that time, over time. If, if I understand correctly, you were a player and you were coming to Rave to ask him for suggestions or ways to improve the map. Yeah, well, th there was a few like bugs or things and uh, we kind of wanted to, to fix them because it was kind of hindering the like the rank factor or like the, mm -hmm. the pro scene factor, quote unquote, uh, at the time. And uh, we just wanted to fix the bug. So uh, with Rave having, you know, other things to do or uh, just not having that much interest, I guess, in the Pyro anymore, uh, he, he was kind enough to give up the map. And I was like, well, we're just going to start our own like branch. Um, Because actually he he did that with another map. Uh, it's called Commander TD. So in the past he was able to give out like a, a version of Pyro and it branched out and created a whole new custom map. Okay, and what is the difference to this Commander TD then? If they are different maps? Yeah. Uh, well, at the base Commander TD was uh, 
solo um, free for all pyro TD. Okay. When, when it branched kind of out because you know they, they want to do something completely different. Uh, uh, you can still play it as a team, but I know like the main idea was just let's put people uh, solo and let's have them just all fight out in the area, right? I see. So if you got the map from Rave, do you know the origins origins of the term? Yes. Like, or is uh, it just about fire and no, fireworks uh, and power? <laughs> Well, that's what I thought at first, right? You know, you see Pyro TD and you're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a map about fire or like in the, you know, the, the Warcraft 3 tile set of like a fire dungeon, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a strong name. Uh, like this one, me and my friend, my neighbor started playing. We're like, oh, let's play Pyro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like we have a lot of enthusiasm because I think it's a very nice name. And a strong it's a name. nice name. And um, for, from what I heard, basically, is uh, back in the day, there was a streamer called Pyro. And uh, so the map was kind of made for uh, his community. That if I, you know, if I put the pieces together and everything, and uh, I think it just makes sense. Like, you know, Rave made a, a cool map to play. Uh, in the past, it had even mini games and everything. So it was kind of like a, uh, a really fun map for the streamer in his community to just play along and have fun. Yeah. Uh, one thing that also always impressed me about the Pyro as a map and the, 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 the way you have been handling it for the, the last few years is that it shows a tremendous creativity. For instance, I remember that um, you had or still have probably have but when i was playing more actively maybe one year and one year and a half ago you were taking suggestions for the evolutions of the footman and uh, it was an interesting exercise to try to come up with abilities and even armor types and then it always amazed me how you or and your team because you certainly are not working alone how you guys managed to come up with things that are kind of like the original abilities, but have their own very particular twist. For instance, the, um, <clears throat> the Helidan that you added, it had like the emulation, which is as a normal emulation, but then it um, has extra spell damage on each attack or how he has the glaives, but the glaives interact with the other ability that is like a, a changed form of evasion. And that's amazing. That's something I would never think of, but then you see it and you're like, oh, this really makes sense. And it was always one step further from the usual abilities, what almost everyone, including me, had. So I think you've been doing a really good job with the map. Like, How do you come up with all these creative abilities? Well, first, thank you. I mean, it's a uh, it's really nice word from you. Uh, so basically what happened is... Um, you know, we all are familiar with the base Warcraft 2 spell, you know, right? Like Fireball, Chain Lightning, uh, Critical Strike Evasion, right? But at the end of the day, they're really, you know, not necessarily boring, but just flat, right? It's it's yeah. an ability that works, but you don't need to think about how it works, really. It's just, it does what you know it does. Uh, and evasions. it's everywhere because critical is in every map. It's a yes. critical or evasion, so it's just one like the other. Yes, exactly. So 
basically what I, I, I did for the Demon Hunter is take these ideas, but make it more, just more interesting, right? So, for example, agility is kind of a evasion, but with a duration. So you can just block basic attack for a duration instead of just having a chance to block them. So it's less kind of RNG, but it's more like uh, um, like you can more telegraph it and know when it's going to happen. But how much thinking do you have to do to come up with these? Because I don't think that it comes to you on the first, like it just pops up in your mind. So is it an iterative process? Like you have an idea and then you rough it out? How do you, you do it? Yeah, uh, exactly. I would say it takes a while to just come up with one idea and uh, think about it and see, uh, does it match the character? Does it match what we need in the game? Because uh, one point that I like to do is just think ahead, right? And be like, will this work with other thing we're planning? Or... You mean the balance of them? Yeah, map. the balance. And... Um, also, just trying to make things not necessarily unique, because that's, you know, once you made something like, a, a for example, a evasion type ability, I mean, if you want to use the same concept, it's quite difficult to make it super different, right? Right. But so, sometimes it's just one thing you can change and be like, well, it only applies at this time, or uh, it only works against this thing. So then you're just making some balance issues or balance uh, interaction by doing a new gameplay effect, right? So right. let's say uh, X only works against Y, and then you need to figure out, is it a good thing that it works like that, or it's too niche, or it's too general? And uh, I, I guess this is where like, when I think of a new stuff, our new ability, I want to make sure that either it's general but not strong enough so that it covers too much, or it's gonna help against a specific thing like summons, like spellcasters, like tanks, like uh range DPS, right? It's kind of those classes or even healing, right? Because for example, there's healing reduction ability. So it it gives cards to play for the players. And see, like, does this help me defeat the opponent, or this does this help me push my advantage? Right. Right. And in answering these questions, like, is this ability too niche? Is this ability too strong? Is this ability too general? How important is community feedback in this process? Um, I think, like, I mean, every time somebody says something to me, I take it into account. Right. Even like crazy things. Uh, because I feel the player, especially the one that plays a lot, right, kind of know how things work together. Even myself, uh, you know, I don't play necessarily every day, but I watch a lot. Uh, and, you know, it helps me, like, uh, feel the balance. But at the same time, you need to know how does it really feel to use this ability? How does this ability uh either for reaction or offensive, right? Because let's say you have an ability that should be a counter, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of want to feel like, oh, maybe it's not, not strong all the time, but it should be strong against this, like, event or unit or ability, right? 
But if it doesn't feel like it's that way and you're not able to feel like it's kind of doing its job, and I mean, like, not necessarily on the first try, but, you know, mm. like a couple tries, just just like any experiment, really. Uh, I remember the fucking wolf meta with the shamans and <laughs> the wolf rush. Yeah. And but, it was uh, clearly, that was clearly a bad design of the ability to overpower because everyone was doing that. And when something yes. is its own counter, then you also know something is wrong. Yes, but uh, I guess when the the wolf first came like to a state of power, right? So the wolves are like a summon ability with a, a cooldown, but they can just keep coming. Um, but the thing with that is they were not strong the patch before. And I was like, why is nobody kind of picking them? So I buffed them and see like, will they pick up? But on the other end is when I did that, I understood a lot of the things that were kind of too strong with the shaman. So the unit that spawned it. So like he had like 1k health, which was way too strong for the Yeah, round one. And it healed the units, the footman. Like it begins the round in the middle and poof, yes. everyone full health on round one. And it yes. was crazy. So by a buff, everyone just kind of came up to play with it and use it. And I, I think that's kind of like how you can define a meta, right? It's when everybody just use it and it's yeah. strong, but you know the majority of people use it because everyone else is using it. So you don't see the counters, you don't see the like the options you have. But I, I would say that at that point there was no like super uh, options in Pyro because the number of evolutions or options are still low. Like I'm working and adding new evos like every month. Uh, what number like, of evos are there now? Like more or less? Uh, at the moment, fifteen. But okay. there's a new one coming really soon, and so it should be sixteen, right? It's quite a lot. That's a lot of interactions if you think about it. Yes. So it must be. Uh, it gets increasingly harder to balance it because the more you have, the more connections you have between the abilities. Exactly. It's it's really harder to see like, oh, is this thing really strong or is it because it's with all those other things that make it so strong? Like, yeah, like right. people not yet figuring out how to play against it. Yeah. Because that or, also or happens like with that. the meta. Like people get too focused on that tactic and they lose a bit of the create, creative mind to explore other options. And that is shows, for instance, in the melee map of Warcraft in the normal gameplay where mm. for like a decade, someone thought this was the best strategy and it was unbeatable until someone does something else entirely different. And you see, oh, after all, this is pretty busted. And yeah. um, sometimes it's just, yeah, just players not being explorative enough and creative enough. But as a map developer, I imagine that you can't really tell when something is really strong or when people just don't know how to counter it. So Yes. And uh, I try to ask or reach out to these kind of people too, right? So on one end, you have people that just play something, they get like beaten or they use something. So they think like, this is strong, this is weak. Uh, but the, on, the, on the other end, I could say like, uh, some people are really trying to make it work uh, or, or to make something work. And on, on like in my head, this should work. But sometimes... It doesn't, right? Because, you know, I, I don't have, like, the most calculation possible, like, the most data 
uh, I guess, and it's something super important when you're balancing, right? But this is something I, I'm just not able to reach. I, I can know like all the match that are being played, uh, what's the stats. Uh, well, we kind of trying to get to that, but with like a, a system like Warcraft, we are kind of uh, limited on some aspects. Yeah. So based on all this, what do you think that are the characteristics that make a good developer? Or like, what do you try to be? Or like, what are the important things that you want to incorporate in your thinking or in your coding? Uh, well, first, I think the map developer should just think about like making a good product. And by good product, I mean something that people will enjoy. People will have fun with it, right? But also listen to the feedback, either from new players, uh, like I would say beginner players, so not exactly new players, but also players that are performing really well and just having that, you know, high calculation aspect. You know, they will think about a lot of things and be like, oh, this is not going to be strong or I can I can show you that this is really strong. This is not that strong. So overall, I would say that you need to make a quality product that is fun, enjoyable but also listen to some feedback, right? Um, to, because, you know, you can't make everyone happy, but this is kind of where you need yeah. to... It's sad how um, nowadays making a good product seems to be less and less the focus of the developers. And Blizzard is a striking example of that in which they released Reforge and it was a complete fiasco. So it seems that gaming companies more and more try to maximize profits, even if it costs the game in the short term or in the long term. So they try to maximize profits on the short term, maybe to please investors, maybe to get the highest bonuses, but that harms the game in the long term. term. And you see that in Blizzard. Blizzard is a striking example of that, but you see that in games like Magic, Magic the Gathering, that now uh, Magic Arena uh, is kind of hated by a lot of people because it's focusing more on extracting money from people and not by giving a good platform to play. So it seems that it's increasingly harder for a game developer to have that goal that he said, to just focus on its craft and perfect the map. Yes, and I just think it's a problem with the kind of the industry, right? Because... I don't think map developers or just game developers as a whole have the power to decide, can we release this or can't we, right? It's more like the investor, like the, the big ads that have kind of that choice. So I'm pretty sure most of the time people know that their projects are not like the best. You know, you see a, something like Reforge and you're like, mm, half of the things are not working. Should we release this, right? Yeah, that will be the question that Blizzard would ask themselves a decade ago, which is they would never release a bad product. They will take a few more years in development and then put out something that people would really love and would play a lot. But now, the fact that they released such a shitty product that not only the graphics were terrible, but also they destroyed functionalities within the game, like the leather, the clans, even the, the ability to hold custom games. I believe in the beginning, I think customs were broken as well. So yeah. it's not even about improving. It's just about releasing something new that they can sell for 30 euros. And that is, it's even worse than what already existed. So Yes. 
Oh, sorry. Uh, I would say oh. it's just about the greed completely. Like the people that made the decision are not game developers. I'm no. pretty sure that like, I, 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 I guess someone that is game in game developing at, at least like some love for what he's doing or some like uh, proudness in that and be like, well, I made this. I'm able to see like it works. And it's a good product, so I just feel it's it's not in their ends that that's how it's happened. Yeah, they chose by the uh, they chose by the number of staff, like the original staff, that just walked away in the last decade in Blizzard. People that said the company's vision is no longer what I share as a vision, and these people that make great games like Warcraft Three, Warcraft and its original expansions, they just left. But it seems that at least you as an independent developer, you can still afford to think about your players. So, or do you have any incentive? Because there's no profits, I think, in Pyro. So you can just focus on the community. Yeah, basically, uh, I'm not making money off uh, Pyro. Like everything we get, get as like donation or anything, uh, we just use it for like the tournaments or prize pool or anything right because at the end of the day what i really like is seeing people play my game seeing they enjoy it like they think it's fun they think uh like or for old players to say well i like this improvement even if sometimes you get people that don't really like what you're doing but that's just how life is right you can't please anyone but if you feel like you're doing something great and you feel like most of the people you care that, sh- like, you know, ha- see the improvement or like they're able to at least give, you know, because you can give uh, criticism, criticism, sorry, support yeah. on my French, but uh, it's like if you can critic some, something, but with actual like uh, example on why you should change it, because one thing we didn't talk about yet is being able to revert stuff or admit that you kind of uh, made a bad decision, right? In revert changes? Yeah, or just, you know, so they see like Reforge, right? It did really bad. And they didn't not like patch it up super quickly or they didn't revert back to... No, like, in fact, having- like two or three years later and the... The only ladder that exists is the ladder by the W3C champions. So it's like the community of Warcraft, or a few guys, they do a better job than the actual multi-million company at fixing their own product. So that's crazy to me. Um, And and for me, like, I feel uh, just by, you know, being someone that played the game for a while, uh, I can look at websites like Hive Workshop or at, like, uh, development team like a worker three champion and see just how people can do great things without having all the money they need, right? Yeah, it, I it's agree. Just like, for passion the love is, of it. it's almost like passion is more important than resources. Yes, who would have thought yes. huh? when you really want to do something, you can make it work? Huh? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, just th- this morning, right? I was uh doing some stuff on the editor right you know changing some spells or some effect and 
the time flew by and uh, I have put like four hours just changing a couple stuff and it's like nothing nothing happened right yeah. I was so you know passionate about doing what I do that the time doesn't matter you know that's uh, wonderful and I think that's super rare nowadays because we said because of the corporate greed but because it's I think it's always beautiful when someone in this, in this case a map developer is so uh how to say but like so genuine and so kind that just focus on his product focusing on improving it as if nothing else mattered and as you say as the time passes so quick i think that's the best indicator that we're doing something that we love yeah and uh, uh coming back to you know like companies i just feel sometimes people just don't have the time to do it Because if I was, you know, uh, hired by a company, right, maybe I would not have the time to take like six hours to fix one thing and to make it work perfectly, like kind of how I want. Right? You would have just... that's your job. Like you're doing this for free. Imagine if you're yeah. getting paid for it. Then yeah, you have but... double the incentive to do it. So I don't think that yeah, argument for sure. is valid. And you're but... like going back to the W3C example, the Warcraft Champions. Like if a bunch of dudes can do it in that free time with no access to the resources like the APIs and so on of Blizzard, then the Blizzard itself with its thousands of employees, not in Warcraft, but like even if they put 10 people in Warcraft team, they wouldn't be able to do something better. The, Or, uh, by manpower, yes. But what I was trying to say, it's more like, what if I have to deliver it by the end of the week? And I have to do, uh, let's say, the context of Pyro. I have to do a new evolution. I have to do uh, a new mode. I have to do everything. And I have until like this week to put it out. Maybe I won't take the six hours I took to fix something that, you know, would probably just do fine if I don't touch it. But why would you have a timeline? What if the company just told you, improve the game as you see fit, Take your time, just make something great that the people will love. I think uh, games would be just so much better. Really, Th this is all you need to do. It's like game developers, they, they test their game while making it, right? They don't just code at a screen and they don't, like, they don't interact with the game. No, they, they see it either with like editors or things like that. So I feel like they know how advanced what they're doing is or how polished it is so if they had all the time in the world and be like i can make this super great they would right i i don't think anyone goes into that kind of uh artistic or however you call want yeah. to call it like field uh, and, the and crazy not thing, like doing that and the crazy thing is that i believe that even if companies just wanted to focus on money that would still be a very profitable approach. Maybe not so much in the next year, but as a long-term branding. And you see, in, in Blizzard, people are still playing the game 20 years later because the original games were so good that it got people invested. And that's very hard to erase. And also the proof is that how Blizzard is trying to undermine the community so hard, like by releasing a broken game, by not fixing it. And the Warcraft community is so yeah. resilient. They just, they never give up. Like Ruby, Ruby is still streaming after all these years and there's no competitive scene. There's no money to be made. There's no game support. 
and just says, I, I love Warcraft. I will play Warcraft for as long as I love it. And this is so yeah. powerful. Yes, exactly. Like uh, you could say that the game has been living for a lot of years just by the passion that people take into it, right? That, that's it. Yeah. Like even if Reforge never came, we would probably still be uh, talking today, right? Because yeah. if the game happened, like I, I would probably went back into Warcraft and try my own things. And, you know, uh, I mean, there was a lot of patches uh, just before Reforged that were really uh, good for the game, right? A, a lot of change for map developers. So I would not say that everything happening in the last few years was bad. But definitely it's like if they just said, oh, we're going to release Reforged two years instead of like just sending it now uh, people would have kept playing and the hype would have been better and we'll probably have a better product and be like oh my god this is good yeah even if they only do some patch notes meaning adjusting the balance of the game i think that's already enough for long-term health because that was a problem with Warcraft for so long there were many years i don't remember how many but i think it were a couple of years without any updates. So the game stagnated. And, yes. Uh, and th there's so much thing they could add or change or, you know, like maps. Because Warcraft has kind of that RPG random aspect, right? I, I mean, the melee one, right? It's like you got these hero abilities. You can creep. You can get, like, uh, items. So really... They would just need to change the balance, add new maps, add new items, tweak them. And this doesn't require uh, creating super new things, right? Yeah. It's not like making a, a, a new system or a, a new... It's just changing numbers. And Still waiting for the Naga race, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, this is... You know, a, a lot of things could have happened and... Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, but Blizzard kind of dropped the ball and but like as, didn't do what they could. As someone who is so interested in the community and is so close to the community, exemplified by the fact that we're here talking, that you just accepted to talk to a player about the map that you made. So yeah, do you feel the love back from the community or like the appreciation for you as a developer that really tries his best to improve the map? Yes. Uh, I guess the the... How would I say it is sometimes you have people that show their love and some that show that they don't love you, right? So you have some <laughs> negative and some positive. And I'm just happy that I can focus on like uh, all the positive person around me, really. Yeah. Like uh, I'm more lucky, I guess, to have them than they are to have, you know, the map. Because I just feel it gives me so much more... Uh, energy to keep going and when i see someone be like hey i want to play or uh, i think this map is cool i want to try new things uh i want to play with my friend it just gives me the boost to be like okay well i'm gonna put three hours and try to finish what i was working on and you know get the patch done and when i see a bug right it's I'll try to fix it in the next 30 minutes or something, if I'm able to, right? Sometimes some bugs are just, you know, out of nowhere, but... Yeah, there's really... always that people that are ungrateful that they see someone who is doing something for free 
and they still say, oh, fucking bugs, man, just fix the map. Like, it's your obligation to do it. I got that a lot yeah. when I was doing fan serving. And some people were like, oh, why don't you guys just release it? I'm tired of waiting. You guys are blah, blah, blah. You are slackers. Yeah. And you're like, no, man, we are doing this in our free time. Take it easy. Take a shield pill. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I would say negative and positive, right? So these kind of people, you just try to, you know, don't have them in your heads and you just try to get people that are positive about it and be like, what do you guys think? Is it like, and sometimes people uh, that are near you or just active, they're going to tell you, well, this is not so good. Like this could be change. So it's kind of where, um, over time, you just accumulate um, like feedbacks, good and bad, and you know you, you you continue with your work. But I feel like this is one of the most important factor is listen to people, and and sometimes <laughs> they have super ideas. Sometimes they have super bad ideas too. <laughs> can happen, but that's normal. But, like you to have one good idea, you need hundred bad ideas. That's just how it is. You need to go exactly. through a process of construction and deconstruction. And the good ideas need to stand the test of time. It's not like someone just wakes up, oh, I have this perfect idea that is in its final form. Like, no, even in yeah. books or something, people take time to refine them and perfect them. And I feel that the people that can do good things are not the gifted, but are just the people that are humble enough to say, this might be bad, but I will improve on it and I will not give up. Yes. Yes, because uh, there's a lot of time I, I thought like someone was giving me a bad idea, right? Or, oh, this idea, not so good. But just thinking about it and thinking and thinking, and maybe six months later, I'm going to be like, oh, I, I guess it could make sense right now, you know? So it's not a bad idea sometimes. It's just either a bad context mm -hmm. or, you know, just maybe that I don't like it. And yeah. uh, I, I think it's normal, like, we're just humans. We're not perfect. Uh, and, you know, I like some play styles. You know, I could play League of Legends or Heroes of the Storm, kind of like two MOBAs. And some people will prefer one or the other, right? Doesn't mean that the, the one game is bad and the other is not. Yeah, great, but right? people want to have some moral victories over others because we have a very yeah. tribal brain. So we tend to think that the people that are doing what we do are amazing. And the others that are doing something different are just scrubs. And yes. that closes us to the possibility that different games, in this case, or different things, have different positives and different negatives. And they just uh, tailor differently to, to different people. And that's, yeah. I think that's a bit small mentality. Exactly. Yeah, and so. I would say that uh, it happened to me a lot of times that I was just closed-minded or just thinking, now what you're saying is bad and blah blah but with, with some feet like i mean some cool down or just some um just getting out of the situation and sometimes i'm like man i i was not acting accordingly to what i i kind of believe in my heart right yeah, i was then, just in the moment yeah no. but i think you're doing a great job and that shows in how the map has evolved that not only you are open to implementing new things and very creatively, but also you are not afraid to change the map completely. And 
I didn't I didn't play the map for one year and a half, as I said, but I had the opportunity to play it this week after you told me a bit earlier that you made all these changes. And you made profound changes. You made changes to the lanes. You made changes to how the teams interact. And you even changed the lumber to crystals. So you changed the currency in a way. And these are pretty profound changes that a person that is conservative and is close-minded would never do. So I think it speaks very greatly of you and your team that you guys are not afraid to explore new ideas and then come to the realization that they are so good that they should actually be implemented in de definitive form because that's part of the map now. Uh, yeah, and uh, since you've played, you probably, like, you know, I would say you probably still feel like it's spiral, right? Even with all the changes. like Yeah, the concept is the same. Different. You buff the units. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, at the end of the day, it's a lot of change were made over like two years, let's say, when we first started the kind of the Pyro TD League branch, right? But the game is fundamentally the same. You, right. you buff units, you play with your team, you attack the castle, and you win or you lose, right? Depending on which side you're on. I think but, it's because you are... Um, how to say it's like you are focused enough i don't know if this is a wrong a right word but like you are objective enough and conscientious enough to say what is the core of my game and how can i stay faithful to the core and not change what my map is about but change the experience of the players to improve it as best as i can yes and that's yeah, also no. something that many people or many developers don't do because they, sometimes they don't know what their game is about. It's just a mesh of things, things they keep adding over time. And they never really take the time to think, okay, what is really my game about? What is the core idea I cannot give up on? And then how can I improve the, the other parameters? Yeah, and I guess it kind of helped that I started as a player before I had the chance to change the game, right? Um, and I guess it's kind of the mentality I try to tell people is instead of going into the game and seeing something you don't like or you think it's bad or it's too good or, you know, like, just play with it. Just, you know, have a second thought of, like, using it and be like, oh, maybe it makes sense after because a lot of what I would say are bad ideas or just people, they're trying the game and come in and be like, oh, this should be like that. This should be like that. No, I mean, the game has, it's, it's not that it's perfect. It's just you're giving an opinion, but mm -hmm. you don't even know what the game is about or you don't know how it should feel. And maybe the person is right in out of context, but I feel it's more like they want to shape the world, how they view it, instead of looking at how the world is and making it better, right? It's what do you mean exactly in terms of game development? Like, what is, like, um, can we give an example the, of input by players that, that fits so, that idea? Yeah, when we were talking about the core of the game, right? What the core is in Pyro, it's buffing units, it's the battle, it's the siege, right? If you're touching at any of these core things with a, a big change, right? So let's say uh, the idea of, you know, being able to control units, right? In the battlefield, 
it right. would change completely the core of the Which game. Which now you can. Now you just buff the unit and they go fight on their own. You can't micro, yes. you can't do anything. So there is no yes, control. Yes, it's, it's really different. But you know what I did with that kind of thinking is uh, one of the gold tower types, you can cast spell on the battlefield, right? So you can influence the battlefield, but it's light. It's a small thing you can do. The gold tower? Change. What does it do? Yes. Uh, it's the marketplace. So oh. what it does is you need to combine items. And when you combine enough items, you can cast a spell on the battlefield. Um, so these are more like offensive spells. They don't deal damage, right? It's more like effects. So, you know, one of them can displace units. One of them can like uh, stun and reduce the physical damage. So, you know, it's more like... Uh, uh, not support-ish spell, but more like a debuffs yeah. on, on enemy units. So that's where the marketplace is, because when I was playing, <laughs> I saw some fruit and cheese, like, sell these at the marketplace, yeah. and I was like, what the hell is the marketplace? I couldn't find it. <laughs> but now yeah, I know. well, you know, <laughs> the, the game is not perfect in, in telling people how to play, and that's really uh, a rough thing. We're, we're kind of always working towards, right? Making the game more... Uh, available for new players. Yeah, but that's a problem when games become more complex. Like some games have a huge learning curve. For instance, the Angel yes. Arena. You have so many bosses, you have so many items and you need to do it in specific order. And the game is very complex. So like, I think there's a balance between making it simple enough so that new users can get into the game without worrying too much or without having the need to memorize and making perhaps the game versatile and with enough content to allow experienced players to to show their experience and have use it as an advantage to new players. Yes, you're right. And um, I would say with that is even if you're you have a complex game, right? Mm -hmm. And you put everything for the new players to see, text, videos, everything. You know that half of the players, the new players, won't even take a look at it. People don't like to read. They don't like to learn. They, they prefer to feel it. They'd be like, what is this game about? And just try by themselves. And, yes. you know, this, this is where, like, you will always lose people because they don't understand or they, they don't really want to push further. So, really, you have to make it simple enough and complex enough. But... I feel like sometimes some people will just never uh, get into it. And that's fine. You can't it's have fine also. That's... You cannot please everyone. Yeah, exactly. Like e even if like 10% of your player that try the game, they just rage quit or they're like, what, the, what is this game about? I don't understand. I don't want to read. But it's fine because this kind of person, they, they don't, they're not even able to make an effort. So do you really want yeah. them as players? Like, do you want negative people around you, basically? But even, they don't have to be negative people. Sometimes the game just doesn't resonate with them. And that's perfectly fine. True. It's not a game that yeah. is bad. It's not them that are bad. Just different people have different habits and they have different things that draw pleasure from. So no yes. one has to be at fault here. And sometimes and, uh, to acknowledge that is okay. To acknowledge that we're yeah. all different when we like different things. And that's not because what I like is better than what you like. It's just different. Yep. And I would say that today, like in 2022, 
we played so much game that you're always able to compare it to something else and be like, oh, you know, like let's say somebody tried Warcraft 3 for the first time, but they played StarCraft 2. They're going to say, ah, this game is too slow. This yeah. game is... Too few I units. What are yeah. these heroes? They are so hard to control. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, but it, it's fine because it's not like when we go back to the first Mario Bros. game, you had nothing else really. You had like yeah, was other amazing, simple man. game. The first Super yeah. Mario is one of my best gaming memories in the Nintendo 64. Because yeah. one of my friends had it in his home, like my neighbor, and we didn't have. So we would, in the street, we would gather in his home and we will play, taking turns. It was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And like, I'm pretty sure in your head, you, you just remember like having so much fun, so much control, like, you know. But if you have played it to, again today, maybe you're going to be like, oh, yeah, this is great. But maybe you're going to be like, ah, they could have made that better. And, you know, it, well, because yeah. now you, you're you an adult. You're also other. playing with yeah. an adult brain. So things that were yeah. hard for you, maybe they're easy after all. Like mechanically, you are yeah. by the reflexes and stuff. Yeah. and But I would also say it's just like the more you know about the world, the more judgmental you're going to be about something and be like, this is not perfect. Maybe when you were younger, you were like, I, I don't know anything else. So really for me, it's, it makes like I have fun playing it and that's all that matters, right? There was this image that I don't recall when I saw it, but it described how people change over the years. And the metaphor was that as a kids, we are a hill of snow that is blank. And as we grow older, we make paths in the snow. And when we make paths, we increase the probability of next event, we go through the same path. So we reinforce our habits. And this was in the context of hallucinogenic drugs that someone who did it says, okay, like um, psilocybin or other hallucinogenics have the benefit of putting the snow back on everything. So it erases the preconceptions you have of the world and you can start fresh. And I think that was wonderful. And it's kind of, yeah, yeah it's kind of the same. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Like people just go for the same team again and again. And like, you know, I would say with Warcraft 3, um, at some point it was the uh, best game ever. After that, it was like, oh, it's, it's an old game. Maybe I should try other things. And I still came back to it because now I can see how good it was for what it is, right? Like even if the classic graphic are old, they still stand up through time. Do you think that we go back to Warcraft because of nostalgia, because we played as the kids, or do you think the game is actually still good? Even the game itself or the customs? Uh, I think it's mainly because of the customs. I would say unless you're like a big melee player, but because Warcraft 3 melee is really unique right you have like these hero you have like, these items you can have like you know it's it's really different from like starcraft 2 or 1 and age of empire right if we're talking about big rts uh but i feel like the custom games just made warcraft 3 uh infinite possibility you can do, you do think anything that's you new players like people who never played warcraft never played a custom they would open the launcher 
do it and say, okay, this is a fun game or these customs are fun. I will play this. And I will not play other modern games like Dota, League of Legends, Age of Empires. Um, I don't know, because I feel people today, they prefer to up into a game, press queue up and start a game. That's, that's all how they want to do it, right? They want to go into League of Legends or Dota and just queue up, do the game, the same thing like 10 times in a row. Because Warcraft is a bit more complex, right? You have to go into custom games. Let's say you want to play customs. And you have to find some things you want to play. Right. And you so, depend on the availability of, of others. Like you create a game and sometimes yeah. no one joins for half an hour. And you're like, fuck this. Yeah, <laughs> do <something> exactly. <laughs> but with games like Dota, people be like, oh, I want to play Dota. So they up on Dota, they play Dota, right? In the Warcraft 3, maybe sometimes you're like, oh, I want to play Pyro. But if nobody is playing Pyro, maybe you're going to host the map and maybe it's going to fail. Maybe it's not going to fail. So you have all these kind of um, possibilities of it not working like you want it to work, right? Because let's say I want to play Pyro. Maybe I'm gonna, not going to have, not going to be able to play Pyro like in the next 30 minutes. But if I go on League of Legends and I queue up, I'm, gonna, I'm sure I'm going to be able to play and I'm going to have yeah. the same experience I have but in, in Warcraft 3, you can play uh, Uter Party, you can play Pyro, you can play uh, Legion TD, you can play uh, like a lot of games are super different. So, yeah, I mean, you can sometimes because some games only have people at night and not during the day. So, you can change yeah. regions so that um, yeah. uh, in Europe, in early afternoon, is the evening in Asia, and so on. So you can go to the most populated times. But um, I don't know if it's my problem, but I feel I felt that I can uh, get bored of custom games for too long. Like I play a few months, and then maybe it's because I play too much. I'm a bit obsessive in a way. I play something like I want mm. to. I play something and I want to be the best at it, and I play it until I get really good. But also it has the side effects of burning me out sometimes so but that happened like it it happens to me that after a few months i look at customs and i played all the customs i wanted and i played all the td so it loses enthusiasm for me i don't know if that really happens in other games or maybe it depends more on how you play the game rather than the game itself i'm not sure uh, i guess it depends like if because if i understand how you you know approach the custom games uh, maybe you don't play that much with like a group of friends, right? Because what what I I learn is you could play something like League, uh, League of Legends just because all your friends are playing it. Yeah, and that's and a strong the incentive. Fun, the, 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 the like the fun you have is not necessarily with the game. It's more like yeah. you're doing some with something with your friend. So I feel maybe. Warcraft 3, like, you know, you have less chance to play with, uh, uh, like, your inner friend circle or, may- like, maybe some- for some people it happened, but... Yeah, it's uh, what we were talking earlier about Mario. Like, I have such fond memories of Mario because we played it together, me and my neighbors, my friends. Like, maybe if, you- if it were another game, it would be fine. But the fact that we just created a reason for us to come together and spend afternoons together, maybe that was the best. Yes. Yes, it's, it's, it's like uh, human interaction is super, like, you know, it's 
we're just basically monkeys that want to have fun yes. with other monkeys. Yeah, we want our so, to hang out with our yeah. bros and we want love and exactly. affection from those around us. Absolutely. So yeah, it's but I feel just like other games in the Warcraft. So let's say uh, like competitive, right? You want to be the best. It's easier to have that kind of uh, ladder or uh, possible achievement in games like the uh, League of Legends and Warcraft 3 custom maps, right? Because it, it's in Warcraft 3 customs, there is a, not that much people compared to League of Legends. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Like you could, you can play <laughs> League of Legends and and do ranked games. Slightly and, less people. Yeah, <laughs> slightly. Um, but if you want to do good and be the best in League of Legends, and that's really your goal, you're going to be able to play alone and you can just queue up, play a game, try your best, rinse and repeat, right? In Warcraft 3, it's kind of like you're limited. At some point, you're going to hit a brick wall or something like, well, either I'm winning all my games or there are just not much people to play with. Right? Do you mean customs or the normal map? Uh, I, I think customs. Uh, normal, I, I guess it's a bit more healthy because uh, there's still like a few not necessarily pro players that play uh, the, the melee. But I feel like customs, you're really limited, right? It's going to be like five, six good players that maybe you're going to have to you know, defeat someday. But in League of Legends, if you really want to be the best in the world, you're going to need to work hard, right? So you can't invest all that time if that's really your goal. But in Warcraft 3 uh, customs, really, what can you do to be the best in the world? Maybe you will never know if you are. Or it's not, not that hard. I remember I was playing a lot of Dragon Ball Z tribute. I don't know if you know the map. Yeah. And uh, so basically a map where you start with your hero level one, and then you have all these sagas and all these power-ups. And the game really rewards who knows the timings of the sagas and mm. when to go where. And that was exactly my experience. Like I thought I was good until then I go play to some other server or you just get the really pro player and it completely stomps you because he knows the timings better than you. And it's such a big discrepancy. Yeah. So yeah, maybe the skill cap notices or shows more because some, you have some people that are casuals, completely casuals. They just play whatever custom is online. And then they have, you have these people that just are inserted in the communities and they go on the Discord and they strategize and discuss and they are really good and they will always stomp you unless you want to dedicate a lot of time to yes. matching them. Yeah, and like I was saying, you can just go into Warcraft and let's say there's always like a, um, a tribute like um, Lobby Up, right? You can always play it. But every match will be different because there's no matchmaking. Maybe there's going to be 10 pros in the map. Maybe there's going to be 10 noobs. You never know what you're going to get, right? So the let's say like your expectancy of like players or skill is like... Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I'll, I'll it's always the difference. Yeah, but when you play a, a, a game that has a, a major league system and a matchmaking and everything, you know like it's it, it, maybe sometimes it's going to go up, sometimes it's going to go down. But if you keep pushing, you're always going to improve and try to get better players and try to get players with your skill. 
in Warcraft 3, exactly like, like you said, you can go into a custom game and get uh, completely obliterated, even if you think you're good. Like, oh, well, I know what I'm doing. One guy, he will know everything. Yeah. He will know <laughs> every timing, and he just beats you, and you're like, oh, my God. Maybe yeah, I'm yeah. not good after all. Yeah, yeah. It- but then you'll be like oh I, I want to get better so you up into the next game and everyone else is new so you don't need to improve you can just do exactly how you do yeah you like, don't really have the challenge you will have the challenge if you play with the same guy all the time yeah but, but then, now it's know. harder to keep contact in warcraft since anyone can yes. join any lobby so the chances of you being the same lobby can be kind of low kind of low yeah when you were playing league of legends um Tell me if I'm wrong, but did you feel that it was a game that promoted the feeling of community, that what we were talking earlier, like the, that feeling good of playing with your friends? Because the League of Legends is usually a very toxic community. I never played it, but I wonder if it is really a game that unites people or that just makes people pissed at each other. Um, I think if you play it with like your close friend, you're going to have a good time. But if you try to reach out to stranger, you're going to have a bad time, right? Most of the time. Let's say like not always because there's always one person that's going to be nice. But I feel like people are just toxic because I don't know you. I don't need to be nice to you. Why would I need to be nice to you, right? If you're doing something, I, I think it's stupid. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you and. Now my, my Normally, is... we would say that you need to be nice because that's just a human trait. People are usually nice, but yeah, then you have this weird phenomenon that we get the anonymity from the internet and we show exactly. our monkey side. We insult others, we talk shit, we threaten, we say, your mom is a whore, go die. And you think about it, like yeah. this is really serious things to tell other people. Yeah, and you probably right. never tell someone in the face that, you know, their, their mom is not a good person, right? Yeah, she but you will never act. say that in person. Or no, they will never. never say that in person. They just act like yeah. keyboard warriors. Yeah, they're yeah. Protected maybe by you're going to think it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you have, uh, you're not directly uh, speaking to them. You can't see their reaction, right? Because like, if I, I say something mean to you and I, you know, I can see exactly how you're going to react with your face, with how you say it. But online, it's more like either I type something and you read it or through microphone and I, I don't see you. I don't see your expression. I don't see how you look, uh, how you're standing. Are you like up straight or, you know, so, so all these kind of uh, physical things, right? And you probably don't see the person ever again. So you're like, okay, I can be mean to him. I'll never see him, Exactly. whatever. And that's also wrong. Yeah. I I mean, like in real life, if if you play with your friend every day, if you're mean to them, you know that you're not going to have a fun time if you can go to their house or, you know, you can hang out with them. So, you you, you know, you you realize that uh, I can be mean to people if I want them to like me or to play with them, you know, have fun. So, So, yeah. uh, uh, j- just to answer like kind of the, the question you, you, you ask is um, I feel if you already know people, you go into a game, you can have a good time, but I don't really think it's a game that promotes 
uh, community, right? Like in game, there's no clan really. There's nothing. You um, just have the friend list then. Yes, <laughs> you look at your friend list and uh, you play with your game. Or most of the time, it's through like either IRL friends or you know like people were on Discord. Oh, we're gonna play League of Legends, right? So we queue up. But going into League of Legends and trying to make friends, I think that's that's really hard. I'm just gonna say it like that. Like, uh, I think that it's even hard to make friends in real life. When I was a kid, yeah. like I live in, a, I grew up in a street that is just a bunch of houses. So we have a street in front of our houses. So it's like a place to hang out. And we were like four people the same age in the street. So we will just come to the street and hang out. And I also feel that that is becoming increasingly hard, like even to meet people. Because you just, maybe the kids nowadays, they just stay in their homes. They probably barely talk to their neighbors. And I think that's also quite the loss. Because like, the best thing was hanging out when you were a kid, like for everyone. And I worry that yeah. that is becoming increasingly hard. To, even if you tell your kid, go out, play, maybe he doesn't have anyone to play with. Maybe the other kids don't want to come out and play football or play whatever. Yeah, uh, I'd say like, at least there's still school that promote like you know kids going together and everything but yeah i I feel like even if you tell a kid to go outside nowadays uh like you said maybe there's just nobody else outside like he's gonna be bored and he's gonna come back uh but i also feel like at least with the internet you're able to get in contact with someone even if they're miles apart, right? Like I, I made friends with people all around the world. And I have also friends that I know in real life, right? But, you know, at least I'm able to just have a contact with another human being. For sure. But I don't think that replaces a comradey with hanging out with people around you. Like it's, it's amazing. The internet creates opportunities for us to meet people that we'll never meet before. And... It gives me the possibility to meet people from New Zealand, from Australia, people that are so far away, they will have never an insight on these countries. But then you have these guys, you talk to them, and you see, okay, this society, I know a bit more about it. And that's very cool. But at the same time, we are very needed, needy monkeys. So we need, also need the friends around us. And that the pandemic, I guess, showed that very well, that the, that the lockdowns, made terrible consequences for a lot of people. The people really started to think about mental health and to probably value the friends and value the opportunity to be with the friends. Yep. Uh, and yeah, exactly. I just feel it's, we need the contact. And um, I think I was lucky enough to grow up and being able to go play with my friends. Uh, play outside, do you know weird, weird stuff with them? Uh, just experimenting life all around, like uh, having fun, right? Outside and just having the contact, like you know, uh, eating each other with sword that we were taking, <laughs> or like uh, knights, or uh, uh, trying to shoot each other with like nerf guns, and you know, j- just enjoying the life and. Uh, yeah, I, I think with the, the, this pandemic, I'm I'm kind of sad for all the 
youngsters are, that can't enjoy it, right? Maybe some like it more because you, you can tell that anyone has like in real life friends and maybe that's making it uh, easier for them to just, you know, play with their online friends. But uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would say like the pandemic, especially for young people, must have been harsh. And even for old people uh, or older, like my parents, like I know my dad has a hard time just because he can go out, see their friends all the time. So, Yeah, some people are getting paranoid, but I see that I have a cousin that is, I think she's like 12 or 14 now. And two years ago, I had a good relationship with her. She was friendly. And then through the pandemic, after, after the pandemic, so more recently, she's just on her phone all the time. Like she barely talks to me anymore. And she's like super shy. She's always looking down. She's not interacting. And I ask her, hey, what's up? She's like, oh, I got shy. Things like this. And she really tells me. And yeah, it's a bit it's sad. The, it's the, like, even as a tech guy, I mean, I, all my childhood, I was outside most of the time. You know, I, I, around like uh, high school or some stuff, I, I came to play more like video games, like Warcraft 3 and stuff. But the cold Canada still, winter or the Euro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But at school, it was still fun to see people. And like the first phone I had, that was not a flip phone. I think I was 19 or 20, right? So, and I mean, I, I can see how it impacts uh, young people to have access to a telephone every like all the time like, i think I it really my, fucks my up your development boy. like if you are yeah. used to having a phone yeah. or an ipad or digital technologies since you are one year two years i think it affects your development in ways that we don't really understand yet yes. and that's the thing for parents it's probably convenient to give the phone to the kid and then the kid just shuts mm -hmm. up and stops crying but on the long term I think it has deeper implications in the brain. Maybe they lose attention. Maybe they uh, become more dispersed. Maybe they start to get addicted to dopamine since a very early age. And then it's harder mm -hmm. for them to, to meditate, to just read a book, to do something that is not constantly rewarding you with visual effects. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, also, like <clears throat> with all the social medias we see, this, this is not the real world, right? And people are always on their, you know, social media platform and they think that's the real world. They think that these photos are real, but that photo has a millions effect in it. So they look at the screen and compare it to real life and they're like, oh, real life is boring. It's not, it's not as it's cool not as... It's not boring, it. but it's made to look boring. Yeah, like, do you know yeah. that... Uh, Instagram had its own yes. Instagram had its own internal studies that show that uh, young teenagers who use Instagram are more likely to be depressed. And they know this because they keep comparing to unreal standards and you get the notion that everyone is like that. Even if you follow 10 people that, for instance, are very fit, you think, oh, all these people are very fit, but you don't know the million or so that are not fit. So you get this bubble that you think that is the whole reality, 
when it's not. And you don't know the bad moments that those 10 people pass through. Exactly. They, you only see what people want you to see. And most of the time, you just want to see, you just want to look, uh, I mean, show the good side, right? Like, you don't go outside and be like, I'm puking and tell everyone <laughs> that you're uh, kind of sick, right? You kind of do when you're hanging out with your bros and everyone yeah, is drunk. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to feel this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> yeah, let's be honest, with something like uh, Instagram, you only show the perfect pictures. Maybe there's like 20 pictures or 20 tries on that pictures. Yeah. And they're just going to show you that best picture. But in real life, you only have one choice, uh, one opportunity, right? Yeah. The moment passed and it's gone. And s- now you remember that. I saw that very clearly. Yesterday I was working out in a public park and there was these two girls <coughs> that were doing some ab exercises. They do it for like a few seconds, take some pictures. And then they spend 15 minutes looking at the phone, seeing, oh, it's good. And they say they said, okay, it's not good. Let's do one more exercise. So they go again yeah, to work yeah, out yeah. and do the, the reps again. So they were clearly not working out. They were just there to take some pictures. Exactly. But, you know, the, the, the image you're going to have of this person on, on, like, the internet is, oh, she's working out, so she must be doing yeah. that, like, every day. And so you make a story about with pictures or videos, but... It's, it's not reality, right? It's like you said, you saw them and you're like, oh, they're kind of fools. Yeah, it was really dumb looking at them. You're like, oh yeah. my God, what is these people? <laughs> yeah. So uh, like you said, I think it's it's 100% true. People are, are more depressed because uh, they think all of that is real. All the, the people are real or it's, it's all that exists, right? So when they compare to themselves and be like, Oh, sometimes I have good moments, but sometimes I have also bad moments. Yeah. But this person seems to always do good. So she has a better life than me. So why why I'm not like her or or him or whatever? So it's kind of where you're comparing too much. And I think people good. are starting to realize how toxic social media is and how much it filters your view of the world. So I want to think that this last decade, the 20 times, was a decade of a fucked up experimentation, experimentation, social experimentation, where these companies like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube have been allowed to do whatever they want, to influence the social fabric however they want. And I think that now we are starting to realize that and to starting the bad effects of these technologies. Like I'm lucky, I had my, smart, my first smartphone when I was 23. And now I look back and it's like, how is it possible that I didn't have a smartphone before? Like, I didn't even have Facebook or anything. I didn't have any social media throughout yeah. my whole university undergraduate studies. And nowadays, that will never happen. But I feel yeah, like yeah. I got away from this movement that just uh, creates a bad interpretation of reality. And I feel lucky for that. I know that my colleagues were talking shit about me sometimes in in the groups like in the class groups but i just went aside everything and that's the thing like if you don't have it if you don't follow twitter if you don't follow people on facebook or instagram if you don't care about the feed like your life goes on you can still be happy nothing really fundamentally changes yeah so it's okay to say no 
exactly and i feel uh it's even something i, I even talked with my parents and i was like like back in your days or even when i was younger you didn't know about the world so it wasn't affecting you in a sense like oh these people are doing good or there's super like bad things happening in the world and i mean it's fine to be aware that others exist but not like on your everyday business right like everyday life is there's a lot of bad things good thing happening and when you try to compare or you look at all around the world oh this person is now a doctor this person had made a million dollar and you know i'm still in my room just looking at my, my my phone right it's like it creates that kind of bad environment and you know i feel like I'm stressing about stuff that I should not be stressed about because now I, I see all these people, all these things, and I, I'm aware of them. So now it, it put the stress on me. But if I wasn't aware of it, you know, like ignorance, ignorance is bliss. Like if you don't know about it, it can't hurt you. I mean, if you don't know, yeah, sense, right? But in the case of kids, they don't know the effects of the social media. So I feel that it's more and more the parents' responsibility to teach the kids to say, okay, if you use this, beware that you can be more depressed, you will compare yourself to others, they will show things about themselves that are not real, they will only show the good, they will not say the bad. So when you see someone online, it's not a full story. You should not take it for granted. But it's easy to say this and to think you're going to be a great parent. But I also question myself, like, okay, you, you have a kid, a teenager or 10 years old or whatever, you want to be the best parent possible, but then the kid must be probably so influenced by his colleagues that are probably more significant than whatever you can say to him. Because then you're a parent, you're like, oh, yeah. this old guy doesn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I think it's always going to be hard. And uh, because when we were, that age you know when when our parents were just saying these things like you said we were exactly thinking oh they don't know anything about it <laughs> but all that matter is is what my classmate thinks or people at school or people on whatever social media well i mean when i was younger didn't really exist so or people didn't care that much but you know you, you care about what others think and how it influences but like, even if your parents tells you, it doesn't matter in 10 years, do what you like, be how you want to be. But, you know, it, it's, it's just like teenage people are, are not fully developed yet, right? A lot yeah, of they don't say, have their frontal lobe. They literally don't have their brain developed. Yeah. Literally. So, so that only happens like when they're 16 or 17. So it's yeah. not accident that teenagers do stupid things. They don't have the rational part of the brain yet. So that's yep, something you have exactly. to come to terms with and accept. Even if you think you know everything, you don't know anything. Yeah. And your parents, they're going to tell you that, oh, you don't know anything. You'll be like, ah. I think ah. that's a bad move because then you pass the message that you know better. And that's bad parenting. Bad parenting, I think a good, better parenting will be to say, I have my biases. You think that's true. Let me try to explain you why I disagree or why I think you should think differently. But if you go in confrontation, I think that's only easier for the key to say, fuck off. 
I don't want to hear whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel it's it's kind of you know easy to judge uh, just because you you never know like when you you your parents and you have kids, your life doesn't get easier, right? You have more <laughs> stuff to do. Not at all. Like so, like maybe not everyone is meant to be the perfect parents, and you know I, I'm lucky. I think I had great parents, and but I know some other had not that chance, right? And even if they're a great person, sometimes they just have these parents that didn't know what to do or did horrible things or things you, you're like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. But, you know, that, that's kind of hard to always know what's happening in these people's life or in their head or. So, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, you should have more this open discussion with your 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 child and everything and i really hope like when i get kids i'm able to do that and you know it's just the best uh that i wish could happen but i'll never know like un uh, until um i have kids yeah you never know and this is the kind of activity or a kind of thing that you think you know everything and then you get a key that is completely different from what you expect and it turns your world upside down and there's really yeah. no chance to predict or to but This yeah. is what my parents will tell me. When you're gonna have kids, you're not gonna know what to do. Yeah, it must and be scary to have like a baby in your arms, and then he grows up, and then oh, you're yeah. a teenager, and you have to deal with him, and you're like, I have no idea how to do this. <laughs> yeah, if, even if you were a teenager, but the thing is, like we were talking before, sometimes you don't listen to your parents. So basically, what they were telling you to do, you you never thought about it or you never kept it or maybe like a few things but overall so you don't know how you should do because you'd never understood what your parents were trying to do right how to raise you and everything but yep. well yeah one thing i wanted to also talk about about pyro going back there is about yeah. the leaderboard because i was also very impressed when i got to the map recently and i saw that what was once just a leaderboard that you said, how you picked up the map, it was a leaderboard, you started to improve on it, but then when I played two years ago, it was also a leaderboard, and now there are actually tournaments, and there are tournaments with prize. So yes, how do you develop the game just from a random leaderboard on the internet to actually tournaments? Like, how would you draw the interest of the community enough to make it happen? I was very impressed. Um, you just have to find the right person, right? You just have to go around, ask person, hey, do you want to, to participate in the rank system? Would you like to, you know, push your skill further? And I think a lot of people like that, right? When you're telling them, hey, you like the game, but would you like to play with like a matchmaking, right? So like the game are more fair, So they're more equal, so you have more chance to win, technically. It's not like just one-sided. Right. There is a matchmaking uh, component that balances the teams, right? Yeah. 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 We have all these kind of stuff on our website that can help. And for the tournament, well, it's basically, do you want to show others what you can do, right? And, you know, not everyone participate in, but a few people that are confident in their skills, they want to show what they're they're able uh, like able to do right yeah how many and participants do you have more or less in tournaments nowadays because i remember also uh, back in the day it was like 
three or four teams of two. So it was always the same people, but do you now have different people or is it still all the same? Um, so the last tournament, it was mostly the same, right? A few person and it, it was still like the, the biggest tournament we had in terms of prizes. But this is kind of where uh, I start to think about like, why do people not stick around, right? Even if they like the game, they, they tell me the game is nice, everything. And this is where I, I started to think about, like, maybe maybe we should change how the game is played. Maybe this is where, like, you know, we need more lanes or what do people like about team games versus solo games versus, like... So this is where all all came together. And I was like, there's a reason people are not coming or not participating more, right? Right. Because we're advertising. We're, like, we're trying to reach to people. But the reason you you're not playing, you know, the tournament, maybe it's because the game is lacking something, or well, like maybe because you feel it's too competitive and you don't feel prepared. Yeah, like all, all these kind of of you know thoughts or whatever you have. So um, by by that time, we started to think about like how we could improve the game to have better players, what they liked about the game, what they dislike about the game. So, you know, a lot of feedback went into it. And I was like, I don't think players, when they play team games, like to be always in a team aspect, right? Or at least not in, like, kind of PvP. And this is where, you know, uh, some people like the 4v4 team format, right? But a lot of people started to not like that either because they're forced to be with others and to always like play with the same rules and you know like one person dictate a bit how the game is played yeah and then team, sometimes like a, you have people that deviate from the strategy and fuck it up or just build randomly yeah so and it's, it's understandable so, that noobs piece some people in team games because yes. they just carry you down yeah and like some new players that are willing to you know uh, try to play the strategy that is strong and everything. Uh, they just kind of lost like uh, the the need to play more. They were like, "Oh, I figured out the game already with like uh, two three games. So why would I play more?" Like, I, I feel people like to play a game and discover things. Yeah. It's like the discovery factor. Yeah, like, what how, we were talking like I... not too complicated. So that you can get in as a new player and still understand what the game is about. Even if yes. you don't know the strategy, just you can play the game. Yes. Of course, you're not good, but still decent enough. And yep. uh, do you feel that after you made these changes to the lanes, you were telling me the other day that you did changes so that people can play as a team if they want, meaning that they can build in the same space, but they can also play solo so that each player has its own lanes and then the footman from the whole from the three players or two players or whatever or the four players they just meet in the middle and then they fight but you are in control of your own build yes. you feel that it made people stick around more yes uh definitely because now people even if they're new or even if they're experienced they can do what they like right you can go around do your own build you can also look at what others are doing and be like, oh, I didn't think about that. But 
nothing is forced upon you, right? Right. Because traditionally, uh, you have this guy, okay, guys, we're going to do this. You do priests, I do yeah. mortars, or you do heal, I do damage. And you have this assigned, yes. well-defined role that you are immediately expected to do. Yes. And it's it, like, that's also fun, but not always. Like some per player just don't like it, right? Like I was saying, uh, it's more like the explore or to to understand new things, right? So if you're solo, you need to do everything, right? So that's that's harder than before. But you can experience with what you want, right? I can put my tower there. I can put it there. I can do this build. You can do that build. So everyone can do whatever they want. But the fight is still really team oriented right so when you see the fight you know that one player can do really good the other player not so good so you can still see who's strong who's weak but if you're a strong player and you have weaker players you can still show that you're strong right you're not um limited by having one player that's really doing right and nothing or uh, anything bad right that you think and in happening. this new system how do the buffing works exactly in the older method you had the same 10 footmen for each team so uh, the whole team would apply the healing and the damage to the same footman so now if the lanes are separate how do you get the final stats like even if one guy gives only healing and one guy gives only damage do they combine in the end or each player needs to do fulfilling and damage so yeah uh you need to do everything right so uh instead of having 10 footmen per team now each player have six footmen so it's less footmen than before for one player to handle right so it makes sense uh, but the stats you give to your units they're the stats they're gonna have in the fight right um but what we what I did is I made the battlefield a bit more um, separated by like back lines, front lines, right? So if you're making a captain evolution, right? So a, a tanky uh, tanky evolution or unit, um, he's gonna go in the front. Oh, so you coded for him to be a bit faster to on purpose go in the front to tank. Uh, no, well. Um, it's more like in the pre-battle phase, he's going to just position himself uh, in the front. So when the battles start, he's already in the front. Oh, so he's going to be cool. the front line, right? Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So it, it really matters because what, what can happen is, let's say you don't want to do health or armor, right? You just want to do damage. Well, it's possible. You can just do damage on your units like having an archer or backline, probably, instead of like a frontline. But this is where like each player can specialize in something, right? Or you can have three players that kind of like do a bit of everything and they're just able to um, help each other out, right? But you right. can have a game where one player is going only tanks. That's so cool you because damage, you still have the strategy element to it. You can still specialize... Yes but it's exactly. not too specific that you can do anything else because even if you make tanks, you still need to give his, him health, damage, and so on and so on. So yeah, I think that's a pretty exactly. good choice. Yeah, and I think it's 
how the game is going to develop a bit more. It's like each player is going to do a really specific thing for his team. And uh, this is like the big overall strategy. You still got your little stuff to manage. But as a team player, you maybe you're going to need to do damage. Maybe you're going to need yeah. to do like more tank, maybe more support too. Right? So, That's amazing. Yeah, this- so... How did you manage to get prize money for the tournaments? I was very surprised that you were like in a, in a custom game with no revenue, no ads. You managed uh, to give money to people. How does that happen? Yeah, well, first, I was able to give out a bit of my own money, right? Just to, because, you know, uh, I want people to like the game. I, I really like competitive part. So I feel like this is where you get the best game, right? When people really want to play, when you want to win. It's um, quite a commitment. But, you already give the time to make the map. And then yeah. you even put your own money on it. Yeah, but uh, I love it, right? It's If I wasn't liking it or loving it, I wouldn't just not be doing any of that, right? How much so, are we talking about in terms of money that you put? Oh, um, maybe like two, three on the red. USD, like a uh, United set dollars, not, not that it's quite a lot, not that much actually. Well, I yeah, it's but, quite a lot. Um, considering all the money we had, um, uh, after that, it was a lot of donation, like uh, a lot of people donated uh, amount of money. You know, uh, we're talking like a uh, appear Anon gave us like uh, a good amount for the last tournament. Uh, we have also uh, Zarpu, which is uh, a really appreciated member. Um, he's always there helping us out, and he's giving us like monthly money, really. But is he giving to the team or for the tournament money? Because normally I would say that you could take that money and pocket it, pocket it because you deserve it. You do everything about the map. I, I could, but basically it goes into our PayPal account for the team. And nobody's touching it. Nobody does anything with it because the only thing we use it is for either advertisement, maybe in the future, you know, but or tournaments, right? But everyone that have access to it is on the same like mindset as me, right? You know, I, I don't get with people that just think differently like that. And it's more like that money is going to go toward just making the game better. I'm not taking any of that money. Maybe, like I said, if there was something we need to pay or like the server for the website or, you know, small things like that, maybe it can go into the expense because it makes sense. But um, really, like 99% of the money that we receive is going back to the, the people. It's another great trait of you as a map developer because you can also resist this urge, this greed to just take money. And it's, yeah, it's really but... amazing that you, even when you get some income from the map, you also think about how to use that money or to reinvest it to grow the map. Yes, it's, it's always reinvestment. I, I, I think, uh, and it's the same thing in life, right? If you sell something and you, you spend it all, well, you're not going to have money to reinvest in having more money, right? But basically with, the money here, it's more like, I want to get make the game better. I want people to enjoy it more. 
and the more people enjoy it the more i can put into it right so it's a like a snowball effect where and i just hope one day like uh, we're able to get away from warcraft and do our own thing right like doing our own game like a lot of warcraft 3 developer did a, a standalone game yes like dota yes, branched off warcraft and now it's its own individual game yeah yeah it's it's like the 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 dream of any map developer right doing his own thing being able to control everything and it's a absurd amount of work but i feel like right now in my life like I, i would like to do this as a side project and try to you know get people to help me i already have like a superb team on uh pyro td so you know we're still working every day and hopefully we're gonna make it right but if you branch off can you continue to do it as a hobby or the time investment will be so big that you need to consider it a job i don't know yet that's the that's kind of the fun part is it's more like i will do it until i'm able to put more time into it right And this is kind of where having an uh, influx of money in will really matter. Because if I'm able to invest time into the game that I can get some investment back for like, for example, the servers, uh, the models, you know, like, you know, you're starting from nothing. So you Yeah, because if you leave Blizzard, you cannot assets. use their models. So you have to do probably nothing. everything from yeah. scratch. Yeah, exactly. Oh, everything. That's a lot and- of work. And all the coding. I mean, I, I'm a coder myself, so you know, C sharp, Unity, stuff like that. Uh, it's possible, even if I'm I'm still a, a, a rookie, right? Yeah. But uh, I feel like I just want to get to the point as like a side project where I'm able to get some money in, hopefully. And if I'm able to get enough money that I could go just you know put more time into it uh i would do it right and this is where like you know i I would start to pay myself and everything but in that case you will need to make revenue from the game like you make your own game you branch off you make the company and then you need to start selling the game but to to sell the game you need to develop it so it takes time to support your own life until the product is good enough to be published so so this is where like you know I don't know how much years it's going to take. But technically, I feel like what we're doing in Warcraft is kind of the pre-alpha stage, right? Because everything I'm doing, it's tests, right? How people like certain stuff. And even if I I, I branch out, you know, some ideas Blizzard can take, right? Like a fireball spell. They can't take that. The, like they don't own something as general as an idea like that but yeah. so i feel like everything we're doing all the community stuff we're doing it's it's still it's never going to be lost right so it's it's pre work on like having a real real project and uh but you know i i feel like i'm going to be able to have a decent job um you know have some money and still do that on the side but I really hope that someday I'm able to like uh, uh, just start having a bit revenue, uh, like you were saying, uh, selling the game. But it's probably going to be free to play, actually. 
uh, it's more, yeah. more like skins and stuff like that because yeah when i uh, when i meant sell is just that you have a product that you can monetize even yeah, if you sell yeah, exactly. it at the start or you go through skins and so on. yeah so exactly if the if this map doesn't work how do you see your future as a game developer like are, do you consider yourself a game developer outside of pyro or pyro is your project and where your heart lies and what you're going to do um so since i'm studying in programmation like i feel I, i'm just gonna always be programming stuff right either games or uh you know software anything application like android uh, anything right so like even if pyro would not work as a project or anything i would do something just for fun and try to get into you know uh a kind of a polished project because I just like game development, right? I like kind of communities and I feel like I would just always do it, but it's, it's a side project. It's like when I come back from work, that's what I want to do. So this is where like, it's fun for me to, to do it. If I was doing this all day, maybe I would not like it as much as I am right now. Yeah, that's a good point. That maybe yeah, just enough and we go back to the same point of by doing this you feel the love out of community so you have all this affection that is coming into your system and that makes you feel good and probably want to yes. continue yes I mean you know a lot of people like to be uh, or to do something and see other like it right even if like right now I'm not getting anything out of it but I, I still like that idea like the feeling like the the community the messages everything it's it's like it's just like giving right some people like myself we just like to give things and see the recognition of like people enjoying me really yeah one one thing i want to talk about maybe it's the last uh, topic i will bring up yeah it's about um, nfts and skins and I don't know if you thought about this, but I wanted to talk to you about this as someone who has a game and who knows the importance of skins. For instance, I remember that one of the prizes of the tournaments was skins. You have a different yeah. builder. And then uh, you also put in the game the avatar of the winners of the tournaments. So people have a feeling of being special and different. And yes. I wanted to ask on your opinion on how much do you think these markets, the skins, the cosmetics, the NFTs, have the potential to be really important in the future? Sometimes more than the games itself. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's funny you're talking about that because uh, up here, Anon, you know, one of uh, the, the, my closest uh, helpers, right? Or, well, I mean, he's part of the team, so... Really, and he's really into that kind of stuff, and he already brought me up to it. And, you know, I'm more like the septic guy and I'm like NFTs, you know, it's more like people are willing to buy because they think it's going to make money. Um, but I, I feel like it, it really depends on how you bring it up in the game because I've seen some NFT games, right? So the game is all about the NFT in themselves or crypto games, right? Yeah, uh, but in this case, it will not be about the NFTs, but using the cosmetics side as an yes. extra layer of meaning for many players. Yes. Many players yes. just and want to show off and they want to feel different from the others. They want to have something that is 
different and makes them feel special. And this is a very strong force in the human yes. brain, I think. Yeah, and I, it's totally the way we're actually going to go, right? Like I was saying, I want to make the game free, but skins, everything is going to cost money. It's going to be like, you want to show support, you want to show, show the others you're, you're like invested or you're the best, like for example, a prize, like a skin for winning, right? Uh, and I think it's, it's a really cool thing to do. You, like it's not pay to win. It's just like a display of either your enjoyment for the game or your skill level, right? It's like, hey guys, I got this builder or this skin because I was good enough to to warrant it, right? Yeah. So do you think NFTs is just a hype or that it is a year to stay and be part mm. of games? Um, I, I, like I said, I think it's different. It, it depends on how you implant it, right? If I was to make NFT into like a standalone type of game, I just don't know how I would do it sensorily uh, because when I see the NFT games that are out there, all I see is people trying to make money. They don't care about the game. They, oh, they're just yeah. like, oh, I, I want this skin because I know I'm going to be able to sell it. I don't want yeah. my game to turn into like people just farming it, you know? And this is where like I, I, I'm not super inclined with the idea because I, I still want my game to, to be a game for fun, to, to so people enjoy it and just not farm it. But maybe, you know, if we talk into like six months, one year, I will have a completely <laughs> different approach because it, like I, I told <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's evolving all the time. This. It's, yeah. Um, but do I think it's, it's going to stay? I think, yeah. I think like crypto, like the world is changing. Um, it's going to be a part of big things in the future, of course. But I feel like there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do it. In, like in my, um, my, my own area, right? That's just how I think it is. And maybe my right way is not the right, like objective right way. It's just, I see around stuff and that's how I think it is. Yeah, I also think it's here to stay. But because blockchain has its own legitimacy and then yes. NFT is a layer that can happen on things that are already on blockchain, I think that will be a natural step to implement. All right. Um, so to conclude, where is the best place for people to play Pyro? Um, well, the best place is uh, Warcraft 3, uh, either Classic or Reforged. That's where you, you can hop on the map and uh, play it on the Blizzard server. Um, yeah, so that's the best place to, to play. Uh, I guess the Discord, of course, and our website, uh, pyrotdleague.com. And, uh, yeah, and they can find uh, information where the hosting yes. is happening, where all the competitive yes. people are. Yeah, all the news playing. are there, all the patch notes you can find on the Discord, basically. Uh, and yeah, if uh, you guys uh, heard about us through the, this uh, super... Uh, podcast uh, just let me know and uh, say hi <laughs> yeah well, I mean it's super opportunity and I really like to talk with you and uh, hopefully we're gonna talk more uh, uh, either on on screen or off screen you know like uh, always free to, to come uh, yeah for sure I look around. forward also to see the direction you take the map and the more creative solutions you find because every time I see a patch note I'm very impressed 
So thank you, yeah. Tipu, also. It was thank an you. honor to talk to you. It was very fun. And all the best for your map. Thank you a lot. Thank you. Bye, folks. If you like this podcast, consider liking this episode and subscribing to help supporting me in this journey. Thank you.